0: What comes to mind when you hear the word radical? Surfer, <laughs> surfer. radical dude. Yeah, I like that. It's a good one. Well, you might think of the word fanatical. And when, today, Super Bowl Sunday, a lot of people are going to be fanatical for their team if they happen to be Bengals or Rams or have some big wager on the game or something. They're, they're, people are going to be fanatics. So when I was thinking of fanatics, I thought. Do you know who these guys are? Those are the Cameron crazies, the Duke basketball. It's a little fraternity every year. You get to be part of that and they yell and scream like nobody's business over Duke basketball. Then we have the lovable Bronco fans. It's been a little rough, been a little rough, but we do have a good fan base. Some people are true fanatics then that's, this is the Dominican Republic baseball. Having been there and gone to games, you have no idea what it means to be a fan to you watch a Dominican baseball game. It's crazy. Then when you think of fanatic, you might think of this guy. I mean, I got to go to fantasy camp and they gave me a uniform and you know that, uh, technically I was in the big leagues for a week. Um, you know how big of a fan I am some people think I got issues and I do when it comes to pain as a fan as a Rockies fan and then you think about this the Beatles when I wasn't old enough to remember this but look at these that girl is losing her mind over Ringo or Paul that's fanatic and then this girl she's weeping out of Beatles look at she's holding a Beatles record anybody old enough to remember that i made you raise your hand um so then let's switch off fanatical when you think of radical to extreme right there you go we think of extreme extreme ideology extreme religious points of view and, and so forth but the word radical really doesn't mean fanatical or extreme it can obviously we've you coined that word changed the meaning but the real meaning of the word radical means to be rooted like roots of a tree and when you think of radical faith think of a rooted faith so this is a picture I took of a tree near our house that on new year's the day before on the of the fires when the wind out in our neighborhood got up to 100 miles an hour and just de a tree how many know that's some power that tree just completely blown over and de so, we're in a series called Living by Faith, where we're starting the new year off with, God, where do you, what do you want for us as individuals and as a church? And how can we go deeper in our faith? Because this is a walk of faith. Everything we do is by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight, not by circumstances. And so today, we're going to talk about radical faith. And when you hear radical, I want you to have that paired with rooted, that a radical faith is rooted in, in Jesus. It's a radical faith that's rooted, and it can stand firm. We don't want to get de-rooted in our faith. We want our roots to go deep in Jesus. And really, this whole series, a question to be asking ourselves is, what would things be like? What could things be like? If we took Jesus serious, if we took him at his word, if we took his promises serious, if we took his instructions serious, what could life be like for us? So today in this radical faith, I'm going to look at Hebrews 11 again. I did this um, at the beginning of the series. Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter. Over and over, by faith, this happened. By faith, that happened. Kind of like 1 Corinthians 13 is the chapter on love. It's the love chapter. And I find it very comforting. I find it very encouraging that all the people we read about in Hebrews 11, that by faith they did this and that, that they were just ordinary people like you and me. They were ordinary people who exercise radical faith they had they but at the same time they had doubts they had unbelief some of them made incredible mistakes and failures and yet they're commended throughout this chapter about their faith that's you and me we are ordinary people with our struggles our failures that does not disqualify any of us from walking in faith and being used by God for his purposes in his kingdom. And so we're going to unpack a little bit about radical faith. First thing I want to tell you about radical faith is it takes risks. Radical faith is a risk taking faith, right? We're not, it's not faith versus foolishness or, you know, radical versus reckless. It's, but it is risky. And god calls us to take risks, and I was thinking about this. Why does it sometimes appear that some people are used by God more than others i 'm sure that 's crossed your mind like well god he 's not going to use me i mean I, I have a boring job and a boring life and i 'm not a pastor i 'm not a missionary i 'm not and we need to move that thinking out of our out of our minds because the fact is. All of our lives have windows daily to exercise radical faith. And the people that appear to be more used by God than others are just people who are willing to say yes to those windows of opportunity. And they step out in faith. So it's never too late to walk in faith in a greater level and in a a greater way. I told you... um, I think it was the first week, but I talked to you about a a man named Jim Elliott. He and several of his friends, I think it was three of his friends out of Bible college, felt a calling from God to go bring the gospel to the Ecuadorian Indians in Ecuador. they had never seen white people, let alone hear the gospel. And Jim Elliott and his friends, I'm going to make this a longer story shorter, but The first contact that they made with those Ecuadorian Indians, they were killed. The Indians killed those four missionaries. And they had spent all this time and energy to go bring the gospel to these people. It was a risk, very risky. And their wives said, you know what? We're not going to let them, you know, die in vain. We're going to take the torch. And we're going to go in and trust God and His power to let us reach them. and It happened. The, they forgave the, the you know, Ecuadorian Indians that murdered their husbands. They shared the gospel. They became followers of Jesus. And up till recently, the man that killed Jim Elliott is still, was still alive and speaking in, in churches and sharing his testimony about what, what had happened. I'm not sure if he's still alive or not. But Jim Elliott coined this phrase before he died, before he knew he was going to die at the end of a spear of an Ecuadorian Indian. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Risk by definition means the possibility of suffering loss, the possibility of suffering harm of some of some sort. And what makes a step of faith radical is that it always involves risk. It's always going to involve risk. We say, well, what might I lose if I do this? What might I lose if I step out in faith? What might I lose if I do this? And we assess the, assess the risk. But I've been trying to talk myself to changing that around and I want to challenge you as well to not say what might I lose if I do this to what might I miss out on if I don't do this what might I miss out on if I don't take a step of faith what might I miss out on and if I don't obey Jesus and what he's asking me to do I think that's way bigger so there's a couple enemies of risky faith and it's comfort convenience and fear. If you're taking notes, comfort, convenience, and fear. And the those words, when we think about that, you know, Joel Dennis preached a great message on this in the, a couple of weeks ago on daring faith, and talking about Peter walking on the water um, with Jesus. You know, he's the only other guy in history to walk on water, and he walked on water with Jesus for a little bit. And Joel taught us that in order to walk on water with Jesus, you got to get out of the boat. And your boat represents whatever is, represents convenience and comfort to you. And you don't want to leave the comforts of the boat or the convenience of, of life. And I wonder today, where's God asking you to take a risk, a risky step of faith? God's not into harming people or anything like that, but He wants us to walk in faith. Second thing about radical faith is it takes desperation. It really does. I was praying with someone this morning, and their faith for a situation was desperate. I thought, wow, timely for this, th- this message there's a couple stories in the Gospel of Luke. In Luke chapter 9, there's, um, it t- says Jesus is in Galilee, and he's got this crowd around him, and they're, they're, they're rushing into him, and he's, it's just very crowded. They wanted Jesus to heal them and do a miracle. And a guy named Jairus comes to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, my daughter's really sick. He's desperate my daughter's really sick. She's only 12. You know, would you come to my house and heal her? It says in that moment, the crowds rushed in and Jairus got pushed to the side in his desperation. And in that moment, there was a woman who had an issue of blood hemorrhaging for years. She was desperate. She thought, if I could just touch his coat, touch his cloak, I'll be healed. And she reaches out in the middle of this crowd and, and grabs his garment And Jesus says, somebody touch me. And Peter goes, "Uh, Jesus, we're in a crowd of people. Of course somebody touched you. Jesus said, no power went out from me. And he looks and sees the woman and she's kind of sheepish about it. And Jesus says, daughter, your faith has healed you. This desperation of faith. He met her right where she was at. And then right in that same moment, someone from Jairus's, a friend of Jairus came to him and he said, don't bother the teacher, your daughter's gone. Think of Jairus's heart in that moment, missed out just by a split second of potential healing of his daughter. He's desperate. And Jesus says, listen, she's going to be okay. Let's go to your house. And they go to the house and when they open the door, it says, you know, Jesus brought his core group with him. He, he brought Peter, James, and John in with him. The rest of the disciples stayed out. And they walk in, and the people are grieving. Who wouldn't grieve the loss of a 12-year-old girl, daughter? And they're weeping and grieving. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. She's just only asleep. And it says that their grief Turned to laughter. They started laughing at Jesus at what he said. They went from sobbing grief to laughing at what Jesus said. Jesus went and raised her up. She was healed and rose from the dead and went on to live. And the miracle happened. Two stories of desperate faith. Radical faith takes desperation. One other story in Luke chapter 21. There's a Jesus and his disciples are in the area of the temple where they, people would bring their gifts, their tithes, their offerings, their money, their coins. And we're told, Luke says, that, that many were bringing large sums of money. And then there was a little lady who had one little coin. They called it a widow's mite, which in our vernacular may be a penny. And she puts her widow's mite in the temple treasury and jesus saw this happen and he turns to his disciples and he said those people who gave tons of money they were given out of their abundance they got plenty left over for them to live on she gave everything she had out of her desperation she put all of it into the hands of the lord and trusted him with everything that she had so radical faith takes desperation regular faith becomes radical faith in desperation many of you have experienced this many of you are experiencing it at the moment right now this desperation for God to to move greatness comes through obstacles but so does great faith the obstacles that happen in our life the third thing about radical faith is it takes God at his word takes God at his word (laughs) Radical faith is to say, if the Lord promised it, he's going to keep it. If the Lord says it, he's going to keep his word. And I take him at his word. He is the ultimate promise keeper. And I don't know if you know how many amazing promises have been made by God to you. Amazing. I challenge you to go find out all that God has promised to be for you in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. Every promise is yes and amen in Jesus, we're told. So to take God at his word means I believe even when I don't see. You, you, you believe even when you don't see. That's not always easy to do. We want things to be tangible. We want to be able to see how things are going to work out. Hebrews 11.1 one says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. I think there's a difference between being a, a professor of faith. I profess faith and possessing faith. And we're all in, on the, sh- in the shop with Jesus having our faith go from, from I believe to no, I really believe. I'm building my life 100% on who he is. So we move from professing that we believe to p- possessing true faith. Made me think of Caleb in, in the Old Testament. Caleb In the book of Numbers, if you remember, God had promised to Moses and the children of Israel a land flowing with milk and honey and fruitful and and all of that. And they had to go possess the land. They were participating in God's gift to them in this land. Just like God calls you and I to participate with him as we exercise faith. And so Moses tells the spies to go into the land, right? Caleb and Joshua are are two of the spies that go into the land to check it out. Let's go see what it's like. And when they go into the land, they see that this is flowing with milk and honey and it's fruitful and it's amazing. But there's giants in the land. How are we gonna be able to do that? These, we're talking giants, right? We look like grasshoppers compared to them. And Caleb in the land says, I'll put it in my own words, shut up. <laughs> if God says we can do it, we're going to do it. If he's given it to us, we're going to possess it. And they were still scared. So they go back to, to report to Moses all that they had seen. Yes, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's amazing. And yet they said, we look like grasshoppers. There's giants. And Caleb again says, stop, guys. God says that we can do this. And if God says we're going to take the land, we're going to take the land. And you know the rest of the story. God blessed Caleb. And and God said about Caleb, he follows me wholeheartedly. And I believe that that's a, a great definition of wholehearted devotion to God is to take him at his word. All that Jesus has promised to be for you and me. Take him at his word. That's where your faith is going to be rooted. And when the winds and storms of life blow, you're not going to get derooted. You might feel the the, the moving of the tree trunk and the leaves and look barren, but it's still rooted. And that's what God wants for you and I. Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. So to take God at his word, I believe when I don't see, and then I obey when I don't understand. How I many you know that sometimes God, whether it's in his word or the Holy Spirit prompts us, that sometimes it's like, really? I, I'm, I'm really supposed to do that? It just doesn't make sense, God, what you're asking me to do. It doesn't make sense. And I get that. And I think I think the Lord understands us in that. And yet to have radical faith, it's I do what he says to do even when it doesn't make sense. That goes for sin. That goes for obedience to loving people and doing the things that he asks us to do and taking care of one another, serving. It's all obeying even when it, it doesn't make sense to us. It made me think of Peter. Remember the story, Jesus is walking on the Sea of Galilee and the shore of the Sea of Galilee and Peter comes in from a night of fishing and he was a fisherman by trade and they didn't catch a thing and he's coming in with his boat, starting to wash his nets and and clean up and Jesus says, hey, take your boat back out, cast your nets. Think about Peter, I can almost guarantee in his mind, he didn't say it out loud, but he thought to himself, why don't you stick to making tables, carpenter? Why don't you stick to the thing you, you do for a living and I'll do the fishing? He didn't say that. He thought it, but he says, uh, Lord, we've been out all night when you actually catch fish. Now you're telling us to go out in the heat of the day when the fish aren't even around. He says, because you say so, I'll do it. You know the story. He goes back out and catches an amazing haul of fish. And he realized this this is the Lord. This is the Messiah. Because you say so, I will. Even when I don't understand. If the Lord tells us to do something or not to do, He always has our best interest at heart. You can take that to the bank. Young people in this room, when you're tempted... All of us, when we're tempted, not just young people, but I wish someone would have told me what I'm about to say to you when I was young, that if God tells us to do something or not to do it, it's because he loves you. He has your best interest at heart. You can take that to the bank. Hold on to that. In uh, Hebrews 11, 7 through 8, it says, It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. Wouldn't we love it if God always gave us a little memo of how things are going to turn out when he asks us to do something like I'm not gonna have to go through anything hard am I God if I actually do this I mean we would love that I remember when I was wrestling with you know a pretty new Christian in Bible college what was God really calling me to and I was with a mentor of mine and I was just like I don't know what God has for me I don't know what I should do and I, I was like, you know, could you pray for me? And he he said, well, I, I think I have the word of the Lord for you. And I'm like, please, I, yes. And he goes, you'll know as you follow on. Well, that was profound. <laughs> and then as I got to thinking about it, that was profound. In life, God doesn't always show us the end. He doesn't. He... Tells us to take a step of faith. And I'll give you directions as you take that step of faith. I'll give you more directions, more directions along the way. He doesn't just spell it all out. Many of you have taken steps of faith and, and started businesses or ministries or whatever. And you've, you, you didn't know how it was going to turn out. You had to trust God. After you take a step, God give me, give me direction for that. And then to take God at his word, I trust even when life disappoints me. even when life disappoints me this is not heaven you know that right this life is not heaven we are passing through we want it so bad to be heaven cuz it's hard you know to think about passing on in in you know to the world that no sin no sorrow no suffering but we're not there yet and i was thinking about this like myself my daughter many of you probably do use sticky notes as reminders little reminder notes put them on the refrigerator put them on your desk Um, i had to put a couple on my notes because i wanted to remember a few things and every time you go through a disappointment a discouragement a difficulty just remember it's just a sticky note telling you this ain't heaven and we should have sticky notes all over the place that say, this ain't heaven, because it's not. We're passing through. We take God at his word, even when life is disappoint- disappointing. Jesus said we were gonna have disappointments in life. But take courage, he's overcome. So how do we stir up radical faith? What, what can you and I do to be part of, of stirring up radical faith? Because fear is the enemy of faith, right? Right? And often fear causes us not to walk in faith or we battle with our fears. And I think instead of trying to get rid of your fear, first thing I want you to write down is refocus your fear. Refocus your fear. Fear comes from the possibility of loss. And if I'm afraid of, of losing something, it, it might be because I got too much hope. In what I'm afraid to lose, whether it's a person, um, a business, a job, a career, whatever. And and our hope cannot be in something or someone that can be taken away. I think we refocus off of what I might lose and focus on what we're going to gain. I really think for all of us, man, that could be a real game changer. If instead of what, what, what might I lose if I'm generous with my money? What might I lose if I step out in faith and do what I think God No. What are you gonna gain? That's so much better that you you know than, than what I'm gonna lose. Hebrews eleven twenty seven, it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept he kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who's invisible. I think there's there's three enemies. Of faith. And the first one is uncertainty. How are things going to turn out? And we don't step out because we're uncertain. That could be relationships. That could be um, doing something at church, joining a home group, whatever. I mean, we can, it could be a small thing to a big thing. I was thinking about uncertainty when my daughter Chandler was little. And it was that day that every kid goes through when they take off training wheels and you learn how to ride your bike without training wheels. How many remember that? It's a rite of passage as a dad to be able to do that and be there there in that moment. And I remember taking off the, the training wheels and her adorable little face in this little helmet looking at me with this fear in her eyes. And she was like, well, dad, um, what if I crash? can you tell me for sure that I'm not going to crash? And I looked at that cute little face and I said, no, (laughs) I cannot guarantee that you're not going to crash. But I can guarantee you're going to have way more fun without training wheels than you ever ever would with keeping those training wheels on and staying safe. She was like, okay, let's do it. And I remember got on a path near our house with her bike and I held on to the back seat and we started going. She had her balance, right? And all of a sudden I'm in a little bit of a jog and getting winded. And then I did what you're supposed to do. I let go without her not, she didn't realize I had let go. She thought I was still holding on. And next thing you know, she's going on her own. And she crashed. She got up and brushed off a few tears and, and uh, was happy. And what, the crash wasn't that bad and the uncertainty of all of it and went on to have a great biking career as a kid through, through middle school. The, another enemy is failure. We're afraid to fail so we don't step out in faith. But the only way you fail is to not try, right? I mean, Thomas Edison the, invented the light bulb, was asked... You know, all those times you've you failed trying to invent the light bulb. you said, no, I figured out 999 ways not to do the light bulb. That's not failure. I think that's important. And then we're afraid of, of people. People can be the enemy of faith. Doubters. People look at you and go, you're going to do what with your life? You're going to do this? You're going to step out in faith and do that? What? We see that and we we worry about what others might think of us. I think of the, the prophet Elijah in the book of Kings. Elijah, here he is on Mount Carmel and he's having a showdown with the prophets of Baal. Remember this? And the prophets of Baal would do their little trick with their idols and God would show up and like, Fire came down and licked up their w- water offering that they had given to Baal, and all these miraculous things God was doing, to the point where Elijah's like laughing at him and mocking him and going, Where's your God? Is he in the bathroom? You know, and, and all of that. I think that's funny, man. And then one chapter later, Elijah runs into a, a lady named Jezebel, and she casts a few threats to him. And he ran with his tail between his legs and hid because of her little threats. Nothing even happened to him. She just threatened him. He had just seen God do all these miracles, and now he's he's afraid because of one little threat from Jezebel. Let's don't let that happen to us. So we refocus our fear. And then secondly, to stir up radical faith, rejuvenate your faith. You rejuvenate your faith every time you read the Bible. You rejuvenate your faith every time you pray. You rejuvenate your faith every time you're generous. You rejuvenate your faith every time we gather together. Every time you sacrifice. Every time you do something that you feel like you might be putting off, that God's asking you to do, and you do it. You rejuvenate your faith. Hebrews 11, four and five gives us two examples. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man. And God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. Fascinating stuff, huh? He didn't experience death. First, look at Abel. Abel brought to God his very best. That's what you and I can take from this. In the Old Testament, we see the offering of the first fruits of your labor, of your crops, your livestock. It was was a way of saying, God, this is all yours anyway. And Abel brought his very best to God. And we can rejuvenate our faith as we give our very best to God. Our time, our talent, and our treasure. We steward his, his stuff, his gifts to us. And I know that might sound rah-rah, hey, give God your very best. Well, it's true though. Sometimes rah-rah is true, it can just be spoken wrong. I want to wake up every day and say, God, I want to give you my very best. And and every day I'm aware of how much of a failure I can be. But it's the disposition of the heart that God is always after. We are going to make mistakes. We are going to fail. It's just get back up and follow Jesus. You fall, get back up, follow Jesus. And then Enoch, I think what we take from him is that he made his relationship with God the priority of his life. His relationship with God was the foundation upon everything that he did and that pleased God. And Jesus wants you and I to just build our life on him. That means how I think, how I act, how I speak, how we treat people, how I spend my money. Everything is a, is a reflection of that. Build your life on the foundation of Jesus. Again, young people. And you'll never ever regret following Jesus with all your heart, all your life. You never will. Us old farts, do we agree? <laughs> We've learned those mistakes of not following Jesus. So all the days of your life, you'll never regret that. And then lastly, if we're going to stir up this radical faith, rooted faith... Recall God's faithfulness. Recall God's faithfulness. There's a lot of God's faithfulness stories in this room. I look around and want to cry. I know your stories. You know how God has been good and faithful to you. There's a, in, in the, the scriptures, both old and new, we often see this statement, but God. But God. But God demonstrated. His love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, but God, you know, I was able to take refuge in Him. He st- steps in and saves the day for us. In Romans 15, 4, we're instructed to recall God's faithfulness as we read in the Scriptures. Such things were written in the Scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. I wonder, you know, what your but God story is. We all have them. It's good to think about. I was putting this together and I thought, by faith, and and also I want to say this too, not just your but God story, but your by faith what have you done in life by faith you've probably done a lot more by faith than you may even recognize that you've done by faith I was thinking October 26, 1992 by faith I put my trust in Jesus and I became a follower of his by faith I entered ministry had no idea what God had for me but took faith In the middle of Bible college, I almost quit and took my dad's business and thought, maybe that's what I should do with my life. God was like, no, I got a different plan for you. And by faith, I took him at his word. By faith, we started this church 10 years ago, right? By faith, we've come together, many of of us, and joined together to continue on. By faith, what does God have for us in the future? And so you you recall but i would say this too what is a resolve that you can do by faith what might god be calling you to resolve by faith i'm going to i'm going to discipline myself more have more discipline i'm going to read the scriptures more by faith i'm going to maybe something as simple as join a home group <laughs> maybe you've had bad experience in other places with small groups and the thought of being in a home group is like, no, I'm good. Hey, by faith, we know we're told to be practicing the one and others together. Maybe by faith you step out there. I don't know what God's calling you to, but, but he's, he's definitely speaking to you. Don't ever forget that faith is a verb. It's, it's not a noun. It's something we do. By faith, we do something. We step out. And is there something that you might be putting off, and you may, might be saying, hey, when I get more time, that's when I'll do this. When I have more money, I'll do this. When the stars align a little bit better, when God gives me a sign, then I'll know. And sometimes we, we have no, we don't realize the opportunities that we've been given in participating in God's story, in God's what he's doing in the world he's called us to participate with him that means we're active we don't sit back passively we step out with him there are some things that you don't need a green light for like should i pray for this person or not should i share jesus should i be kind like there's just some things that you just don't have to pray about you just realize it's there I think radical faith, stepping out, gets things started. And then God says, okay, I'm going to meet you right where you're at. Here's what I want you to do. If you'd be, be willing, close your eyes with me. What is God speaking to you? What has he nudged you about this morning? What prompting have you been avoiding? Some of it might have nothing to do with what you're going to do, but maybe it's simply receiving his love in a fresh way is healing God speaks in a still small voice if you felt something there through our time together this morning write it down And resolve to, by faith, do what he's asking you to do. Will you stand with me? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for Jesus. We're so grateful for the Holy Spirit. Grateful for one another. We have so many blessings in our lives. God, help us to be thankful and mindful and generous with our lives. And Lord, take our faith and and make it go deeper. Lord, there are some that are going through desperate times. Show yourself strong to them. Stir your peace in them your power, your joy. Lord, we give you our guilt this morning. Lord Jesus, you hung upon a cross, sacrificed your life so that we could have life and forgiveness and hope. We put our faith in what you've done for us. We reaffirm and affirm our faith in your life, your death, and your resurrection. Thank you that we have hope. Lord, we have loved ones that are hurting that, that aren't even in this room. We pray for your healing and your touch and your power upon them. Lord, you're glorious. grateful for this moment where we tangibly sense your presence, Holy Spirit. You're moving in our midst. You're anchoring our faith deeper and deeper in Christ. Lord, let us go from here rejuvenated, refreshed, with willing hearts to look for those Windows of opportunities that come daily. Help us to be more aware of what you're doing than getting caught up in our own trivial pursuits, Lord. We love you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.